is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 530, recorded on Tuesday, May the 4th, 2021. Well, that's a coincidence. So, may the 4th be with you, Jason. And and also with you. Thank you. It is, of course, Star Wars Day. And I was wondering, had we ever released a podcast on Star Wars Day before? So I went back into The Talking Dead archives, Jason, And I found out that, in fact, we have released once before on May the 4th. It was May the 4th, 2014. That was episode number 163 of this show. And, in fact, it was our season four wrap-up crossover with Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. Oh, cool. And we, we probably didn't mention it at all. You know what? I didn't listen at all to the episode, so I don't know for sure. But I, I don't think we did. I'll I'll reveal a secret here. Often with those crossovers, we don't record them on the same day that we release them. Like we'll record a few days before and then Jason and I have a couple days to get organized and then it comes out. So we might not have recorded it on May the 4th, but we definitely released it on May the 4th, 2014. Cool. All the way back for season four. So that was some time ago. That was some time ago. <laughs> Lord. Anyways, happy Star Wars Day to everyone. I think to celebrate, here's Negan impersonating Chewbacca. Ah! Perfect. Very good. I like that. (laughs) Uh, It's one of those clips I just keep handy in case you ever need it. It's good. It's good. It really is. Uh, Anything new in your life this week, Jason? Uh, Anything Star Wars related or not Star Wars related? No. The, uh, my son's class did a Star Wars related chat. Uh, just to talk about the fact that it was May the 4th and Jasper showed off his, uh, Mandalorian, uh, keychain light that he got recently. Oh, very, very cool. Uh, is he old enough for Star Wars otherwise? Movies? He is. Uh, he's watched, uh, Lego Star Wars shows on TV and we tried to get him to watch Star Wars, uh, at some point, but he gets bored really quickly unless it's cartoons, right? If mm. it's live action. Uh, you really have to be animated and talking to, you know, on the level of kids in order for him to, uh, really click. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, he'll, he'll get there. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll, you'll enforce the Star Wars lifestyle on him just as soon as you can. And I've told him bedtime stories, like lying down in bed. He's like, when he doesn't, you know, when he's all done reading stories for the night and we're sitting there. Uh, he'll, he'll ask that me, for me to tell him a story and I'll tell him the story of Star Wars or Back to the Future or something like that. That's great. I really like that. That's fun. <laughs> so, and I can make things up as I go along, right? Like I don't have to adhere, uh, to, you know, I skipped the fact that Darth Vader cuts off Luke's hand. I didn't want to put that in his brain. And there's other mm-hmm. stuff too, like the death of Darth Vader at the end of, uh, Return of the Jedi. Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah. So I, I embellish it a little bit and edit. Well, that's, that's the joy of storytelling, I think. That's right. One of them anyways. All right. Well, Star Wars Day, everyone. Uh, I hope you are having a good one, whatever it is you may be doing. We are three movies into our family Star Wars watch through, the three prequels we've watched. And uh, I think 
I'm glad those are behind us. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> well, May the Fourth, Disney just Disney Plus just came out with a new animated Star Wars show called The Bad Batch. That's right. You should check that out. That's right. We're gonna have to take a look at it. Uh, I don't know anything about it, but it's Star Wars, so I'll probably take uh, take a look. Bad Batch of uh, Star uh, Clones in the uh, Imperial Army. Ooh, I don't know. That's all I know. All right. Well, sounds cool. All right, let's get into it here. We are, of course, not going to talk about Star Wars the whole time, although I feel like we probably could. What we're here actually to do is chat about the most recent episode of Fear the Walking Dead. That is Season 6, Episode 11. The Holding. Indeed, The Holding. Thank you, Happy Jack and Victoria, for the title read. Uh, Anyone, feel free to send in title reads. That's not just a thing that we can do for the main show. We can do it for any other show. Uh, that we talk about as well. So thank you for that title read. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jason, let's set the scene a little bit here. The first thing I want to mention is that this episode stars Nick Stahl in a new role, playing the character of Riley. Now, Nick Stahl, you will remember from probably that Terminator movie. Yes. Uh, I don't. Eat, I don't remember which Terminator movie, but it was one of them. Uh, and I can't think of him from anything else, but he has been acting for some time, so I'm sure other people know some other stuff. Uh, but did you recognize him when you saw him on screen? Uh, I don't recognize him now. <laughs> okay. Spell his name. It's S-D-A-H-L. That's correct. Look him up. That's correct. So he played Riley, um, but he's he's a known face, right? So I wanted to point that out. Oh, and it's they, that guy. Good Lord. Yeah. Like the main okay. dude in the holding. So yeah, well, okay. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna preface my entire uh, discussion from my end uh, this, this week. Yesterday, I got my first COVID shot, and I'm feeling a bit run down and loopy today. And I watched this episode this afternoon in some kind of weird fog and haze. So I'm uh, I'm not perfectly on my game. Let's just say uh, everything's fine. I feel good, you know, generally speaking. And I actually. The way I've been describing it to my wife, who's asking me, she's getting her shot tomorrow, so she's been very curious about what the side effects are. And she's been asking me, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay, all friggin' day. And I I think I summed it up to her uh, that I do feel crappy, but I don't feel crappy about feeling crappy. Because I know that it's my immune system learning something. And it's not that I'm fighting something. I'm just, my immune system's learning to do something. And that's fine. And it can raise my fever. It can make me tired, make me sore, make me uh, give me a headache, all that kind of stuff. I just know it's my body going, oh, so that's how you do this. Right. And that's fine. Yeah, so yeah. I feel okay about feeling crappy. Well, that's good. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like you feel too bad. So that's that's nice. I mean, last, yeah. I'm uh, what, nine days, no, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten or 11 days into my, my uh, since my shot. And I had about, 24 hours of really, really feeling tired after I got it. And that, that was the worst. Yeah. So I know some people have it a lot worse when they get the first shot, regardless of which um, vaccine you get. Although I think one of them tends to have worse uh, symptoms than the others, but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you're not feeling too bad and you'll come out of it probably by tomorrow and be just fine. Yeah, I figured tomorrow I'm going to be uh, right as rain. Right as rain. Well, anyways, so good to know you watched this episode in a bit of a fog because uh, I think this one requires a bit of brain power to watch, and we'll get into why soon. So this could be a hilarious podcast. Um, But back to what we were talking about, Nick Stahl, the guy from Terminator, stars as Riley. 
And then the other known new face on this episode is John Glover, who plays Teddy, who shows up at the end. And he is not an actor I really could have picked out of a crowd, but he did have a big role on Smallville. I never watched Smallville. And he appeared on The Good Wife and a million of other TV shows as well, too. Yeah. So you might recognize him. I did recognize him. And now that you mentioned The Good Wife, I remember his character on The Good Wife. I didn't know quite where I saw him before, uh, but uh, I did I did absolutely recognize him. And Nick Stahl, you should have said the yellow guy from Sin City. Oh, right. He was the yellow guy in Sin City. That's See, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that I would have got right away. All right. Well, there you go. Nick Stahl. He's been around a little bit. He's here. So is John Glover. Now, this was a funny episode for me because I've watched it three times now. Most episodes I watch twice, occasionally a third time if I feel like I need to, I don't know, just reevaluate something or anything like that. But this one was a bit funny because on the surface, the first time I watched it, I felt like there isn't a lot going on here. But I think when you dig into it a little bit more, I think there's a ton of stuff going on, but this episode requires that digging. And I'll be honest, in my case, it required some help from the internet. Really? Yeah. I had to go and look some stuff up, remind myself some things, read some articles, and then it all started coming together. But, but I think the first time I watched it, there was a lot of things that weren't really in my mind, you know, it's not like I forgot them, things from past episodes or whatever. I, I knew about them. I've watched all the episodes, of course, but I wasn't sort of thinking about those things while watching it. So I felt like I was kind of missing some stuff, but we'll, we'll get into it. Where I want to start is that this episode pretty much entirely takes place at this underground parking garage layer, if I can call it such a thing, Yeah, where this group that we've been calling the Doomsday Group is living. And the episode essentially starts with Alicia, Al, Wes, and Luciana showing up here just kind of out of the blue. Now, we know they were going there, but they just skipped over all of the travel to get there, which is fine. I mean, you don't always need to see that kind of stuff. They skipped over sort of exactly when or exactly when and where and how they got there. They skipped over encountering the people and as far as we, you know, saw, they just showed up in this elevator and there they are right in the place. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they necessarily yada, yada, yada over the, uh, the best part, but, uh, they yada, yada, yada over a lot to get us into, uh, into here. And I was a little bit confused. First of all, when the whole thing started, I, I started wondering whether I was watching the right show. Mm-hmm. And then when they showed up, I'm like, okay, I got the right show. Am I watching the right episode? Did I miss an episode somehow? Uh, so I was a little confused until I realized that they just glossed over like, like, fuck it, we're here. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I don't think they skipped over the best part, but it, I personally found it a little jarring. I didn't expect it. And maybe that's more on me than anything else, because at the end of the last episode, you have Lucy saying, I'll take Wes, meet up with Al and, and Alicia and we'll go there. And you kind of expect to see that. You kind of expect to see that journey, at least even just one scene of them like coordinating, getting together, making a plan, something like that. But none of that. We just go straight into here we are and let's see what happens. So a little jarring, but 
not the end jarring. of the world. And uh, okay, so I have uh, I have a number of things to say about this. You've never really you played a little bit of um, Fallout, right? Uh, yeah, very little. Very little. So this reminded me very much of uh, one of the vaults in Fallout. So, uh, you know, vaults to survive the nuclear apocalypse in the case of, uh, of, of that. So it reminded me of that. Uh, but I really don't think that they should have been using elevators, especially since they're in a parking garage. And generally speaking, there's a large, nice, you know, convenient entrance uh, for vehicles. Mm-hmm. So uh, elevators are death traps. So... If you're ever wondering what to do in a situation where it's sketchy, whether you're being chased by someone or you're in a fire or you're uh, going down to an apocalypse bunker, yeah, don't get in an elevator. If you've learned anything about Captain America, when he got in the elevator with all those people that ended up being uh, people that he needed to fight, I'm not going to spoil anything by saying why, but uh, you know, you just don't get into an elevator. Elevators are death traps. Uh, so unless everything is fine and you're perfectly comfortable and, or you have to pitch something to somebody that is going to give you money, don't get into an elevator. <laughs> right. Cause where better to do an elevator pitch than an elevator? Yeah. Why would you do it anywhere else? Of course. No, I, I see your point and it is sort of silly and you know, I don't know how much power elevators require, but if power is, you know, something that's a bit of a premium in this world. Uh, you'd think that they would maybe want to just use the stairs or, or walk in where the cars used to drive in. But yeah, on the other hand, I these think- people, these, they have lots like power in spades, right? There's lots of power everywhere in this thing. It, it, they, it sure seems that way. So let's talk about that a little bit. We, we meet these people at first, they seem rather friendly. You know, they welcome our gang in, they provide food for them. They're growing all these crops. They're churning up zombies to make fertilizer for, the, uh, the food to grow. Yep. And, um, you know, it, at first it seems like they've got things all figured out and they're just kind of living their life down there, eating food having a good time. It seems like people have leisure time, you know, they can just hang around and chat. And even our group seems like they're not under any sort of threat at any given time. We even have a scene or two of the four of them just hanging around together, openly talking about their plan and sort of what they're going to do there, which I found weird. So this at first to me didn't feel like a threatening place at all. And they had it all figured out. Well, yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the kind of place you need to be aware of, especially in the zombie apocalypse. Like when everything is, is all nice and friendly. So yes, it's all nice and friendly, but we also have a voiceover of somebody talking to everybody while they work, and you have this uh, this zombie sculpture that's in the middle of everything, which is you know uh, central to their uh, you know not necessarily belief system, but central to their existence. Like, what do you see when you look at that? It's like, mm-hmm. well, what kind of fucking weird test is this? I mean, there's all you know depends on what you want me to tell you, uh, but. Uh, you know, if I was down here, uh, my brain would be going cult, 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 get the fuck out of there. And I would, I would be gone and I would make them answer the question, are we allowed to leave? Cause yeah. they refuse to answer that question. I would make them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either, you know, kill me, tie me up, imprison me or let me go. I really only will accept one of those as, uh, the, <laughs> the correct outcome. Yeah. Pick one. <laughs> yeah. Pick two. I don't care. Well, but even before we learn too much of that stuff, Derek 
this other character shows up and it turns out this is Wes's long lost brother. And even then, at first, I thought, oh, this is so nice. It's a really nice reunion. He seems like a really good guy. I'm kind of happy that Wes has found his brother again. And other than, you know, the dude chanting, not chanting, uh, reading their, what is it, manifesto over the loudspeaker on repeat, I might, uh-huh. I might point out. Other than that, I was thinking, this place doesn't seem so bad. I feel like they've got their shit figured out and maybe they're, maybe Virginia was all wrong about them. Yes. Anyways, are they so bad? Let's talk about the fact that they're a cult <laughs> because right. clearly, clearly they are. They have this leader delivering this message over the loudspeaker. They have the zombie tied up to the stump and the vines growing all over it. And as you mentioned, they ask people to look at it and tell them what they see. And they aren't really welcomed into this group until they answer this question satisfactorily, right? There are people down there that haven't quite figured it out yet, but I think you really have to provide an answer that they find uh, appropriate before you're really a member here. Well, there's an obvious answer that uh, when our intrepid hero answers his brother uh, and gets it right is not the right answer. (laughs) So in my mind, the right answer is I see life from death. Right. And that's the, you know, we have zombies, we have undead, but we have life growing from it. So it's the, uh, you know, it's the circle of life and their whole philosophy on, uh, you know, churning up zombies and uh, dirt and soil in order to feed the, or in order to have uh, soil for the plants in order to feed them. It's life from death. It's the circle of life. Uh, so to me, the answer was relatively obvious. And then when, uh, when he answered incorrectly, I'm like, and then his brother said he got it right. I'm like, no, I don't think so. That's not right. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's the end is the beginning, which is their slogan, right? Also making it obvious. Well, sure. Um, but that's that, and that slogan applies to a, a few different things that this cult is, is trying to do. Um, I was thinking more along the lines with the zombie and the vines growing over it as, uh, for some reason, a a metaphor for the futility of human existence in a way, uh, other than the cult members, those who truly see the the right answer versus those who don't. So, I mean, but you're right, it is, it is life out of death. And that's what Wes, that's what Wes says eventually, right? Yes. He says that it's, um, I should have wrote down the words, but he says something like that. I see uh, life coming out of, or, or someone who's de- uh, dead on the outside. Dead on the inside. Yeah, but still walking around. Yeah, alive on the outside. There you go. It's like, is that right? Is that, what, is that what you want? Is that what this cult is all about? Is you want everybody to be dead on the inside, but still uh, going through the motions anyway? Well... Yeah, that seems kind of sad. I know that a lot of people live that way, but it seems kind of sad. It does seem a little bit sad. But I mean, from here is kind of where you can start realizing that things are a little bit weird down here, right? Because Derek also claims at one point that everything topside, meaning on the surface, must must die for them to start over. And he's... And then... You know, he, we find out that he was in charge of attacking a lot of these other communities, including Tank Town. Yeah. And it's because, you know, they're killing people because that's what Teddy wants. At least that was my first kind of uh, take on it. 
So Teddy, their leader, has like 100% control over these people, which is, I think, very indicative of cult-like behavior. Yes. Right? And, well, why? And that makes me wonder why. Like, if they're building this society down here, and they talked about, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're getting close to shutting the doors forever and just living down here, which is essentially an impossibility. And we can talk about that, but, uh, you know, in why kill everybody up topside? Like, what's the point of that? If it's, are you just being an asshole? Is that, is that the whole point? Well, there, that's why it's a cult kind of, he, he says, we have to eliminate all of that to truly start over. We have to, we have to wipe out everything. The end is the beginning. It's our beginning. It's nobody else's. And that's one of the reasons they're up there taking out these communities, right? They're really the only one we, well, we have, we know of a couple. There's Tank Town. They attack Tank Town to take them down. Not even for the gas, just, or the oil, but just to take them out. Um, they were responsible for the inf- uh, plague infected rats in that office building, if you remember. I do. So, you know, they were taking them down. Um, but I guess they just want to wipe out all remnants of the old days, the past civilization and start something fresh underground. That's, that's their goal. And that's what makes them pretty wacky. I think. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't understand. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't understand why they would need to, uh, wipe out all the communities topside in order to survive, uh, down here. Yeah. Well, um, I guess it doesn't make a ton of sense, really. Uh, but no one ever said cults make a lot of sense. They only have to make internal sense within their own ranks. <laughs> yeah, sort of, I guess. The other thing about the end is the beginning. Um, it reminds me of that uh, that phrase, and I'm sort of paraphrasing. Like every time a door closes, it opens a window, or I think it's every right. time a door closes, God opens a window. Maybe that's right. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a metaphor for staying positive. And I I started thinking, well, maybe they see this as like the apocalypse is the door closing, but there is a silver lining to all of this and that we can start over down here. I don't know. That's something I was thinking about when I was, when I was, when I saw it painted on the wall again. Right. I don't understand this cult at all. So there's more to it than this though, Jason, there's more to what's going on in this episode than, than basically just that. Um, and I, I didn't really pick up on it when I first watched, watched it. And I don't know if you did. So here, here's what I, what I learned by thinking about it a bit and going online and stuff like that. Um, you recall that they discovered that the four of our group that came in knew who Morgan Jones was. Right. And they seemed to be really, really interested in that bit of information and finding Morgan and basically getting to him. That's kind of what they've been doing, I think, looking for Morgan. Now, do you know why they're so interested in Morgan? No clue. I have no, uh, you know, Morgan has been purposefully under the radar for quite some time. So the fact that they know about Morgan is surprising. And, you know, the fact that they want to find Morgan in his community is also surprising. So that didn't make any sense. All right. So do you recall when... Those, okay, way back in the first episode, those two guys were spray painting the side of the submarine. They put the end at the beginning on there. Yep. 
Then in a later episode, those two same guys crashed Morgan's car and uh, he ended up killing them. Morgan ended up killing the two of them. Yep. That felt kind of random at the time, but it wasn't. And what they're trying to do, if you recall, do you remember the bounty hunter that um, came after Morgan early on in the season and he kind of took on his clothing and his weapon? Yes. Do you remember something else he took from that bounty hunter? His axe? Well, yeah, but that's not it. It was a key or something? There was a key. So the bounty hunter took the key off of the guy we saw him kill right at the beginning. His name might have been Walter. And then Morgan took the key from the bounty hunter. So Morgan has that key. The Doomsday Group, led by Teddy, needs to find Morgan to get that key. Oh, for the missiles in the submarine. For the nuclear missiles in the submarine. They have one key, and they need the second key. You need two keys to launch or detonate nukes. Their plan is to do that, which will effectively wipe out everything all in one shot up on the surface. I didn't pick up on this until reading about it on the internet. Okay, so that is a bit... That all makes sense, except for launching the missiles. <laughs> right, because so, they're just going to kill themselves too, right? <laughs> yeah, because you can't launch missiles without, like, they don't ship, uh, you know, pun not intended, they don't ship missiles in a submarine that are fully fueled and ready to launch. Right. Right? They've got to be fueled. They've got to be, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a whole process, I, I assume, and from what I've learned on TV. Uh, that you can't just, you know, push a button and it launches a missile and away you go. You have to have targeting, you have to have guidance, you have to have fuel, you have, there's a whole bunch of things that need to happen in order uh, for that nuclear detonation to go off, you know, and I believe the turning of the keys is to launch the missile, not to detonate the nukes. That's a whole different thing. So you can't just turn the keys and, expect a nuclear explosion. So hopefully uh, the keys are a little more involved than I just need a key in order to get access to a nuke to basically achieve my goal and then somehow survive the apocalypse in a bunker uh, that is uh, a parking garage. Yeah, not even really a bunker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So So this is the thing. I, you know, I feel like if I've learned anything from TV, it is that keys are all it takes to launch weapons. You see that all the time. Like everybody turn the keys at the same time and up go the missiles. Uh, I know obviously it's well, yeah. not that simple, but I think on the show, I think it might be that simple. Yeah. And you need an access code too. It's not just the keys, right? Like, first of all, you have to get into the submarine, which I'm sure is not trivial. It might be trivial. Who knows? You just spin the wheel and open the hatch, and you're in. Like, would they, I don't think they have a lock on submarines, do they? Well, I don't know. I mean, if again, if I've learned anything from movies, you can probably just do that. I've never been on a submarine. You've been on a submarine? I've been on a uh, submarine, yes. Not, on, not while tour. it was descended, of course, but yeah, a tour of a submarine. That must have been fun. It was cool. All right. So did they, did they hand you a key when you got there? Uh, no, we didn't talk about <laughs> access. The door was just open. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, so they have access to the submarine, I assume. 
that they can get into the submarine one way or the other if they have an arc welder or some way to cut a hole or to access through a hatch. The key's not going to do them any good unless they already have access to the interior of the submarine, mm-hmm. right? Like we can make that assumption. So they have the two keys. They have, if they have access to the submarine, they have access to the nukes, I assume. They can actually go in, take a nuclear uh, warhead out of the missile and transport it wherever they want. I assume that that's what they want to do and not actually launch the missiles. The key is not going to help them. Two keys are not going to help them in that regard. And then you have to know how to detonate a nuke. I don't know how to detonate a nuke. Do you know how to detonate a nuke? Well, isn't it just like the gas tank of a car? You shoot it and it explodes? Uh, no. In fact, they go to great lengths for that not that exact thing not to happen. Right. Uh, you know, planes have crashed with live nuclear weapons on them. And the nukes don't go off. Thankfully. In fact, I believe there's, uh, yeah, thankfully. I, I, actually, I think there was uh, in the 1950s, it might have been the late 40s, a, uh, a plane carrying nuclear weapons crashed uh, and, the, and they lost it. They don't know where the nuke is. It's gone. Like, they still don't know where it is. I mean, it just, did it crash in the ocean? Is it at no, the like in the, the uh, you know, up north someplace oh. in the Arctic Circle kind of thing. Like, it's fucking gone. I hope a supervillain anyway. doesn't find that someday and take over. Yeah. But essentially, uh, detonating a nuclear warhead is probably involved, right? It's probably not simple and might require a code and I doubt it requires two keys. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's their plan as far as I know. Uh, the other thing that I discovered by reading the internet is that back in March, AMC actually announced a digital series, like a web series called Dead in the Water. I completely missed this news somehow. Otherwise, I feel like I would have mentioned it. Uh, and I just know someone's going to go back now and be like, oh, you did mention it on this particular episode, but what I don't recall it either. I don't recall helps. it. Here from comicbook.com, I found this. AMC Networks, this was uh, back in March. AMC Networks is developing a digital original scripted series set in the Walking Dead universe that ties into the sixth season of Fear the Walking Dead the network announced on Friday. New digital series Dead in the Water tells the story of a submarine crew fighting for survival, cut off from the surface world just as the apocalypse hits, becoming a nuclear-fueled, walker-filled death trap with no way out. The ongoing season six of The Walking Dead spinoff revealed Morgan Jones holds the key to a beached submarine that is a spray-painted, that is spray-painted with a cryptic message when it washes up in Galveston, Texas. So this is official. This is actually happening. I don't know when it's going to air. I don't even know when they're producing it, but it's a thing. So they're going to tell the story of this submarine online, and apparently it takes place as the apocalypse hits, which I think is kind of fun and interesting. But we're going to find out how that sub ended up where it is, and they reveal in that quote that Morgan has this key to it. So pretty clear what's going on now. And I don't know how we missed that. All right. That makes perfect sense. All right. Well, that's what I sort of didn't take away from the episode the first time I watched it. There's other things too, actually, to be honest with you. Um, people are also speculating that the group, so they, they, they may have released the rats into that uh, office building. But as we know, on the roof of that office building was a CRM supply drop point. Remember, that's yep. what Al and, and uh, Dwight found up there. Yes. And so they're thinking that maybe 
this doomsday group was actually not so concerned about the office building and the people that were in there, but more about getting to the CRM and taking them down, which I feel like is uh, much more of a task because CRM has helicopters and powerful weapons and seems very organized. And thousands of people. And thousands of people, that's right. It's but what maybe, they need the nuke for, I guess. Maybe. Maybe the Doomsday group either doesn't know that or what they figure they need the nuke for. Yeah, they're going to take out all of the CRM, or they think they're going to. Why go? Why go to all this trouble? Like, to get a nuke, take out the CRM, all this stuff that they're doing, uh, if they just want to live a peaceful life underground, why go to all the trouble? Just, you know, uh, and cults are like that in general. They don't try and kill everybody else. They're more interested in, you know, leave me alone and then killing themselves. But they don't go out and try and actively eliminate the world. That's not what cults do. Yeah, and I and I think maybe we might not know why yet, right? And I feel like that because at the end of this episode, um, when Teddy finally reveals himself and he's in that room with Alicia, he basically tells her, I've been looking for someone like you for a very long time. And I don't know what that means yet, and I don't think anyone does. So I think there's more to the story of what's going on here. And maybe that more is why they're doing this, what their motivation uh, truly is. Are you assuming that him saying that is not, not cult leader bullshit? Because I assumed it was cult leader bullshit. This is how you get people on board. I've been waiting for you for a long time. God mm-hmm. told me that you would be coming. Uh, you're, the, you're the one that I need. You're the chosen one. You're special. You're, you, you know, sure, you're angry, but that's exactly what I need. You know, yeah. that's the, it's just, to me, it just seemed like the bullshit that he uses to uh, recruit people. You might be right about that. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what he means, but that's a pretty safe bet, I would say. But I still think there must be some, something else behind his motivations specifically to, uh, to do, to do this, to take out everything and try to start this community underground. Right. You know. And and he said this is the same thing. Okay, so he said this to Alicia and then uh uh what's her name said the same thing to Strand. You know, I've been trying I've been waiting for someone like you to raise an army. So does that mean Alicia's going to be leading the army against Strand? You're talking about Virginia. She said I've been Virginia, I've been yeah. looking for someone to raise an army. Uh I didn't make that connection. But that would mean that does that mean that Alicia is actually going to side with Teddy and I don't know. And lead the army <laughs> against yeah. whatever's left of Lawton and Virginia's group. This has got the stand written all over it. <laughs> really, we might, we might not be talking about Star Wars, but we could talk. We could lay this whole thing against the stand, and it would it would be a pretty fair comparison. Yeah, it it does have a feel like that right now. I, I'll be surprised. You know, in a couple of episodes, we may feel very different. I don't know. Even the goddamn nuke. You know, well, getting uh, getting the crazy guy to get the nuke uh, so that we can use it to blow up whatever. Uh, you know, it's all there. It is. It's, it a, is. it's a ripoff of uh, The Stand. Yeah, I hope not. I hope it, it does its own thing. I don't want to just watch The Stand again. As much as I loved The Stand that we covered a couple months ago, I don't want to watch it again on this show. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and you do not want to piss off Stephen King. Oh, I wouldn't. Because he's got a twisted mind. He will fuck you up. I mean, even when he's in a good mood, I think I find that guy a little bit scary. Yeah, he's worse than Bill Gates. 
Well, that's weird. That's saying something. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what, but I'll leave it at that. Um, He's single now, eh? Bill Gates? Yeah, that was announced today. Him and his wife split up. That's a shame. It is a shame. Okay. So we don't know about Teddy's full motivations yet. Uh, we know they're a cult. We know they were trying to kill everybody up top, and they've decided that they want to get a nuclear weapon to do that. And they may have actually been thinking about taking on the CRM. Uh, but you're right, maybe that's why they need the nuke, because they realize they're a big, powerful group. Now, speaking of the CRM, that played into this because Al, while searching around in um, Derek's bunk, found some of those CRM maps that we've seen before. So these are the same maps that Al found way back, not way back, I guess, but back in season five on a zombified CRM soldier if you recall. Yep. They kind of led her back to Isabel, also known as Beer Lady. That's what Dwight's been calling her. And then they they chat about that in this episode because once the gang escapes from the holding, they teleport back to Morgan's community and have a, commun- have a t- chat with him about it. And she thinks, and, and what I took away from this scene is that Al now thinks that because there's some knowledge here of what's going on, Isabel and the CRM might actually want to side with Morgan to fight back against the Doomsday Group. So Al goes off to find Isabel and warn her about what Teddy's doing, even though it's putting herself at risk, because the last time we talked about this, Al didn't want to have anything to do, not Al, sorry, Isabel didn't want to have anything to do with them, just to sort of keep them separate and keep them safe. But Al right. is now breaking that promise, I guess, and going looking for them. Yeah, I guess so, eh? Um, and those maps they found, they also reminded me very strongly of, remember the maps on World Beyond? And there was yes. like the color-coded type thing yep. or whatever. So at least they're being consistent with their mapping technology. That's good. Yeah, and I don't know if there's much else to say about that there other than like they're it's 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 one of those things that impacts the greater Walking Dead universe a little bit to bring this CRM in. Um do you think they're actually going to explode the nuke? Yes. Do you? It says Chekhov's nuclear submarine. They got two keys. They got a new, they got, uh, you know, a beached nuclear submarine. They're having a whole digital thing about it. Uh, they'd be insane not to explode a nuclear weapon on this show. I mean, doesn't that mean that almost everybody on the show would be killed? No, come on. 24 detonated uh, two nuclear weapons during the run of that show within the first like three seasons. I think season two detonated a nuclear weapon and then season four uh, detonated the nuclear weapon. And the, and the season two nuclear weapon, it was Jack Bauer having the nuke inside a plane flying off into the sunset, much like fucking Batman did. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it detonated at a safe distance, right? The timer does not stop, uh, but, you know, somebody sacrifices themselves in order to get it, uh, you know, at a safe distance. So they're absolutely going to detonate a nuke, but it will have no impact on... Uh, the majority of our characters, if not all of them, because Jack Bauer survived that experience. I just, spoiler alert, I just don't feel like that's possible in any way. Uh, but, but I don't, 
entirely disagree with you. Do you think that they are far enough away in Texas from the rest of the gang in Virginia, uh, in, in Alexandria, to detonate a nuke and have no impact on the other show that's, you know, a couple thousand miles away? Yeah. Why would they? Yeah, I don't see what, how it would have an impact. So a nuke exploding in Texas would have no impact on Washington, D.C.? Not directly, and not knowing. Like, there might be fallout, you know, and there uh, might be, you know, a radioactive cloud that uh, encompasses things, but they're never going to know. Okay. I, like, mm, I'm eating all these plants that are all radioactive, and they'll never know. They're just their <laughs> cancer rate will go up. I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering, right? I'm just speculating if they do detonate this nuke on this show and everyone survives, will there be any uh, ramifications of that on this show or other shows? Like, you know, I don't know. They all exist in the same universe. Fear is way behind, remember? Still way behind uh, The Walking Dead. So if this nuke goes off now, The Walking Dead... It would have happened like five years before, <laughs> yeah. According to the timeline, so you'd think if there was some fallout <laughs> from it, um, we'd know, but we don't. So does that mean the nuke doesn't go off? I don't know. Oh, it'll go off. Like I don't have any doubts about that now that we've talked about it. Uh, I have no doubt that that's going to be the finale oh, oh. of this particular season. <laughs> or is there going to be some big stupid like action scene where there's a countdown and Morgan? No, you know who? Dakota is there, and she she somehow disables it with one second left and saves the world. It was like a, a straw or something, like uh, like an executive decision. Well, it'll be, you know, cut the red wire, cut the blue wire, and she'll think about it for a while, and then cut both, and everything will be fine. Yeah, bombs aren't made that way. Well, I know that, but again, they are on TV. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not nuclear weapons, though. I guess right? not. Like, they, they probably don't have wires that you need to cut. Most likely... Uh, you got to think about, uh, do the people, I'm sure, I'm sure that the people that handle nuclear weapons are trained very well. Let me just say that. Uh, but chances are that the making of a nuclear weapon is going to make it as simple as possible to turn the fucking thing off <laughs> if they need it to. Really complicated to turn on. Really easy to turn off. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's the same principle as in uh, in woodworking. Hard on, easy off, right? It's it's difficult to turn on something. It's very easy to turn it off. Hard on, easy the, off. Are you sure you're talking yeah. about woodworking? I am talking about woodworking. Okay, uh, <laughs> working your wood maybe. But basically, yeah, you make it complicated to turn on. But then when it's you know while it, the timer is counting down and I. The fact that a real nuclear weapon has a timer is probably laughable. Uh, but if there's a timer counting down, there's probably a big switch that says fucking off, yeah. right? Stop. Uh, make nuclear weapon not go now. Click, done, right? They're not going to make it difficult to do because chances are uh, that when uh, when launching a nuclear weapon, uh, the idea is that you're not going to have people that are crowded around you trying to turn it off while you're launching it. Like that scenario is probably never real. Right. So, you know, just, just you know, launch the weapon. Uh, and it's, it's proximity based, it's altitude based. I'm sure it's not, I'm sure they have some, some that are timer based, but that seems kind of ridiculous. Well, and if you change your mind, press here to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Press, you know, stop counter. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no boom, boom. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it's labeled. <laughs> 
Anyways, I am extremely curious now about how this nuke storyline is going to play out. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not sure they can get away with exploding a nuclear weapon on this show, and there are very little consequences to it. Don't forget, we already had a nuclear sort of storyline last season, yeah. remember? It was the worst half of this, worst half season of this show of all time with the leaking nuclear plant and the radioactive zombies and them being yeah. stuck and rebuilding a plane. Like, we're these guys love nukes, apparently. And that makes more sense than this storyline, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you leave a nuclear plant alone, all of a sudden everybody's dead. You know, will it go critical? Well, hopefully not. You know, the nuclear plants are generally designed to fail safely rather than fail uh, dangerously. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do anything, it should just shut itself off. Like that would probably be the primary design principle for any, or should be for any nuclear uh, power plant. Yeah. If you just, if everybody walks away, it just quietly turns itself off. Well, listen, man, the people who designed these things, I'm really hoping are way smarter than you and I. So oh yeah. I would, uh, I would expect that. Let's hope they've thought of all these things, but it, it, frightens me to hear you say that that storyline about the nuclear power plant makes, makes way more sense than this one because that was the worst thing that ever that fear ever did and here i'm liking this season uh, season yeah. six but i'm a little worried now because they're introducing another nuke these showrunners they love nukes and beer remember how much they went on about beer for a year there yeah. well why wouldn't you yeah i mean hey i like beer too I don't think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I can think of a, you know, like a half dozen TV shows and movies that have dealt with, uh, you know, if you want to raise the stakes, throw in a nuclear weapon, right? Sure. Or, uh, you know, a, uh, a virus that'll kill most people on the planet. But they've already done that. Like, they just started with that premise. So how do you raise the stakes from there? Yeah. Right? You I go mean, nuclear. There. And then after that, it's freaking dinosaurs. And then after that, it's a lich and then aliens. Lich comes before aliens. Of course. Okay, fair enough. You know, a lich is, you know, magical and uh, undead, right? Mm Because we're already here, uh, you know, in the undead universe. But then aliens, which has, you know, all of their technology, like super lasers, I assume. Of course they do. What Super lasers and anal probes. That's what aliens are all about. (laughs) Once again, if I've learned anything from TV, that is true. That's right. All right. Well, I'm curious about where this nuke is going. We're going to find out. There's there's one more thing I want to talk about this episode, and this brings it back sort of down to earth here a little bit, I think. And it's how our gang escaped from the holding. Yeah. Basically what happens is they're, they're just going to leave. They're going to take Derek with them, but he double crosses them. So then they're captured. They're held in this room where uh, they embalm people. which <laughs> With the... the- Biggest steampunk and bombing equipment that I've ever seen. I I really doubt that embalming equipment is that fucking loud. Well, I have no idea. You, know, you start the compressor. I mean, people who do this all day long would probably buy uh, embalming equipment that was quieter than that. Or really good earplugs. I don't know. I don't know anything about embalming. Uh, but it was also a bit of a callback to that uh, funeral home that Al and Dwight were in, where they f- we found that embalmed zombie. Remember? Yep. Which kind of looked not dead, which was one of the creepiest things I've seen on the show. But okay, but before we move on, 
this is the one thing I didn't really understand about this group. What is their obsession with embalming? Why are they embalming so many people slash zombies? Man, I was hoping you'd explain that to me because that didn't make any sense to me. And I thought, you know, when I was saying that I watched this in a cloud, that's the piece that I didn't understand the most. I, I don't understand. I get it. It's a horrible and probably painful way to kill somebody, but they can't just be doing that for... I mean, maybe they're doing it for fun. They're a cult that likes to go around killing everybody. But the only thing I could come up with is embalming is about preserving a body, right? Yes. Are they preserving recently deceased people to throw them in their grinder and make like better fertilizer? No, because then you'd be fucking eating embalming fluid. Well, exactly. That, but that's the only thing I could think of. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that it's a punishment for a cult that is obsessed with the circle of life, right? Yeah. Uh, you die, you get put into a, the soil, you it grows food, you eat the food. It's, you know, it's that whole circle of life thing. But embalming someone and letting them be a zombie and throwing them in a zombie, embalmed zombie storeroom is the ultimate punishment. You are taken out of the circle of life. And that's the only thing I can think of, but they didn't explicitly say that. No. So we know they embalm people. We know they hold, they like chain them up in the next room because that's back to the escape. That's what happens. They, they, they end up in this room, they fight back and the, our group runs off into this other room through one door and there's all these zombies chained up. One of them has CRM armor on. So that yeah. kind of gets Al thinking about Isabel again. Um, but so they're embalming them and putting them in there and just hanging on to them for some reason. I, I didn't, I didn't get it. I wasn't sure what was going on there. Basically what happens after that is they slice open all these zombies. The embalming fluid all leaks onto the ground. Everybody escapes except Alicia because she lights a match to light the place on fire, uh, with herself in the room. Uh huh. This reminded me of a couple of things. It reminded uh -huh. me of Daniel way back in the winery, standing in the room while it was on fire. Yeah. And it reminded me of Madison stuck behind the gates while it was on fire and the zombies approaching. Uh, these characters sure do love to start fires in rooms that they don't really seem to be able to get out of. So, yeah, unsurvivable fires in a way, actually. Yet. Yeah. Um, everybody survives, Alicia survives, and that's how she ends up at the end in that room with Teddy alone. So let's map this out. Okay. All right. They're in a room where they embalm people alive, mm -hmm. right? As uh, torture and or punishment for some reason. Uh, next to that room is a storeroom filled with embalmed zombies chained to the ceiling. Yes. On the far side of that room is a magical exit to this whole fucking compound. A door that leads to freedom. Yeah, okay, door that leads to freedom. They don't explain that at all, but that's fine. So somebody mentions that embalming fluid is flammable. That's fine. I don't know if it's true, but fuck it. Let's just say it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, so embalming fluid is, is flammable. So Alicia uh, cuts all these zombies to drop embalming fluid on, and then she lights a match and stays in the room. Does she go, she can't, that, okay, so let's, sorry, let me back up a second. She drops a match, doesn't go through the magical door to freedom, doesn't throw it from just outside the magical door to freedom uh, so that she's not caught in the fire, but somehow drops the match in this room 
that catches this room on fire and burns down the whole place. Like the whole parking garage is now ruined. That is a very good point because she, she drops that match as the people like the doomsday people are coming in the door from the embalming room. Right. Yep. So just as they like get through, she drops the match, it lights on fire. So I could kind of understand maybe they put out the fire. There's probably parking, uh, uh, fire extinguishers in parking garages, right? Because sometimes there are fires and fire hoses and fire hoses. Maybe they put out the fire, capture Alicia makes sense, but that's apparently not what happened from what we were told in the episode. Uh, yeah, the whole place is destroyed. They've, they've ruined Teddy's plans, right? He even says so much when he's talking to her at the end there, uh, still in the embalming room, which doesn't seem to be on fire anymore. Uh, yeah. And the embalming equipment still works. Correct. So, so the embalming equipment didn't contain, contain embalming fluid, which is flammable. I think if you look around, there's charred bodies on the ground though. So all of this really bothers me, this whole escape sequence, because none of it makes sense. I have no idea how anybody survived other than the fire was actually very small and put out quickly, but then how the hell did they, how the hell did it destroy the whole place? It's not making sense for me. And not only that, it sort of bugs me that even though we didn't see them arrive and get to the holding, when they go out the magic exit, they just immediately appear back at Morgan's village. No yeah, fast travel, fast travel. Exactly. Yeah. The, in this case, that bothered me a lot more than getting there via fast travel. It was, it was jarring. Okay. So this is what would have to have happened in order for, uh, for this situation. So Alicia drops the match from the magical door to freedom and is actually able to escape. The fire rages throughout the parking garage, killing everybody because the only way they have to escape is through an elevator. And as we talked, elevators are fucking death traps when in a bad situation. True. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how they escape, but anyway, uh, during the, while the fire is raging and destroying the place, some people get out of the parking garage and are able to capture Alicia, who's already free and on the outside on the, uh, the surface, uh, capture her, wait for the fire to die and, or go out somehow. And then they decide to move back into the, uh, parking garage and use the same room embalming room as the prison for Alicia because they still want to embalm her. Yes. That's, you know, they still have embalming fluid in their room. They still have the embalming equipment that all works and is very loud. Uh, and they still want to embalm her because then she goes and she has a fight with, you know, Doodlebug there and jams the thing in his neck and he's instantly dead because apparently right in your neck is the fucking off button for humans. Uh, so he's dead. Uh, but that's, that, that's what would have to have happened. Cause she's not going to go through the fire to go back into get captured. She's got to go out to freedom and then the other people got to go out, uh, while the fire is raging in order to capture her. Okay. I mean, none of that makes sense to me. None. Well, of course uh, not. None of any of this part of the episode makes sense to me. I don't think it was, I think what they put on screen was purely for, um, entertainment value only. There was zero thought to reality or how this would actually go down. It was, 
it was moving the plot forward in the most ridiculous way. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even even on a show that where the premise is so fantastical, you know, the zombies are real, and uh, it's, it's the zombie apocalypse. You know, you're starting from a ridiculous premise, and even with that ridiculous premise, this is too ridiculous to live with. The the, pro- the thing is, though, it's fine to have one ridiculous premise, and that's okay. That's the that's the premise of the show. You you are asked to accept that as a viewer, and you do. The rest of the show has to exist within the real world. It's like the real world with this one thing that's fantastical, right? That's yeah. why it works. Then you get stuff like this, and the 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 Walking Dead, the main show, has has had this problem at times too. All of them do. Very few shows that that ask you to accept one thing that's crazy are perfect about it the rest of the way. Um, but this one, this was just an egregious example, I think, of not uh not giving us a a story element here that makes any sense in the real world so it sticks out even more than usual because we've already yeah. used up all of our suspension of disbelief for the zombies we have to we're asked to accept this and it's just so hard it's just it's just you can't and are we missing something that explains all of this i mean maybe i don't know if if you're listening out there and you can sort of put all this together help us out i would love to hear it but from what I can tell, the whole escape sequence and the fire and everything just didn't work and it needed to be re- reworked somehow. Yeah, maybe get rid of the embalming and make it an oil refinery. I- I'm not really sure. You know, even uh, sawdust or hay or something, you know, there's lots of things that are flammable. Fucking uh, coffee mate is flammable. Like it's an oil product, right? You turn that into a cloud, it's a big goddamn bomb. You could make a bomb out of a can of coffee, mate. Wow. Don't do that. Because it's anyway. flammable. It's, it's an oil product, right? It's like it's just, and it's a, it's a powdered oil product. You throw the powder up in the air and let it on fire, and the whole fucking thing is going to blow up on you. Jeez. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't tried it. No. And, but, uh, but I've seen it on TV. Nor do we recommend it. Well, where does this leave everything then, Jason? So this big bad threat, the Doomsday Group, apparently has kind of scattered. So are they a threat anymore? I don't know. Um, it, you know, Morgan and everybody who made it back to his community, they know the fire was big and they scattered, but they don't really know if they're a threat. But Alicia's still a prisoner. So now does the, does the season shift a little bit into rescue mission for Alicia or, or what happens to her as this prisoner? How are they going to continue to execute their plan to detonate the nuke if their ranks are all disheveled and you know spread out all over the place it feels like anything everything's up in the air again now and you know i i don't i just don't know where it's gonna go and it seems like a strange development to introduce this group build them up as this big threat and then have a weird fire um scatter them well yeah that is uh that's hard to uh... Why are they a threat exactly? Well, they were they were a threat. Ginny knew that they were attacking other groups, right? And her group was the only one that I think was able to fight them off, or maybe they hadn't even been attacked yet. That's why Ginny considered them this huge threat. Maybe she even knew about the nuke plan because, like, her whole thing was keys, right? And, yeah. you know, maybe she knows that plan. Maybe she realizes that's why they're such a big threat. Um, 
but all that seems like it's out the window now. And I don't know. And now it's interesting because our characters, some of them know some certain things. Al is going off to see the CRM and nobody really knows the true details of the situation anymore, which I don't know, could make for a really great final bunch of episodes here. Um, or it could end up being a threes company situation where there's a series of misunderstandings <laughs> and everything's fine. You know, I don't know. Right. Uh, I guess I don't, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure I understand the point of trying to infiltrate them, right? They found them. They know where they are. They're underground, which means there's only like one or two exits. So no matter how many weapons they have, how many people they have, uh, they're in a goddamn bunker. <laughs> you can probably take care of them without too much trouble, regardless of what their goddamn plans are. Uh, so, you know, uh, all you need to do is start a fire, apparently. Uh, you know, you go inside, start a fire, go out a magical uh, door to freedom, and you're done. Yeah. Right? And that happened. So are they still, yeah, like you said, are they still a threat? I'm not sure they were the threat really in the first place. They had threatening plans, but uh, they could be easily thwarted because they're in a very specific uh, location that is easily countered. Yeah. I mean, all, none of this, I don't think, was really as interesting as the storyline that we didn't really even talk about much, but the, between Wes and Derek, his brother, about yeah. did Derek know that Wes was at Tanktown when they attacked and he did it anyways. And it turns out he did know. So it makes him a huge dick and uh, a, a really dedicated member of this cult. I, I kind of enjoyed the dynamic between those two, how it goes from this really nice reunion to, uh, well, the two of them, well, one of them killing the other because, because of what he did. That's, that's good. That's good stuff. And I'm fine. I'm glad that was in here because it redeemed at least that part of the episode for me, because the rest of it, well, mostly the escape sequence was, was problematic to say the least. <laughs> so what were the brothers' names again? Derek and... Well, Wes. Wes is the guy we know. Derek is his brother. Okay. So Wes and Derek, let's, so let's walk through this, this ridiculous situation too. So they're in a, they're in the embalming room and they're about to put uh, Wes into the embalming fluid. They're going to about, about to embalm him alive. He right? was going to be the first one. That's right. Yeah. So Derek comes in and goes, uh, let me, let me take him to the, to the zombie, uh, vine shrine thing mm -hmm. guy. Uh, you know, okay. So yeah, you can take him there. So they, they go to that area, which I assume is central in the compound inside, inside the, it's not out of the way somewhere, right? No, it feels like it's so, sort of central. Yeah. So the two of them go alone. Mm -hmm. Right. With nobody else. They're just, everybody's just like, okay, you go and have a conversation. We're all going to stand here and nobody's going to say nothing until you get back. That's right. Right. Okay. So that's, what's what they decide to do. They let them go alone all the way to this shrine. And I assume there's other people around. Uh, and then they have this conversation and then, uh, you know, the gun goes off. Mm -hmm. Right. And then nothing happens. Everybody continues to just stand around until Wes shows up again uh, inside the uh, embalming room. Well, that's not entirely true. Uh, Riley hears the gun goes off. He leaves. He steps out the door to go investigate. But by that time, Wes is already back, surprises him, and grabs him and puts the gun to his head. That's how everyone kind of escaped the zombie, yes. the embalming room. 
But nobody else in the whole compound got involved in this situation, and they let the two brothers go alone. Yeah, it, it, again, I have no idea how many people are supposed to be involved in this group. Like, how many doomsday people are there? Because it really didn't seem like there was anybody around most of the time. Sure, there were people at the beginning cooking and working the grinders and stuff, but blame COVID if you want, but it didn't feel like there were a lot of people hanging yeah. around most of the time. So, and the, the gunshot is, is the last thing that happens, right? So first of all, they, uh, they argue, uh, and then there's a, uh, you know, a battle for the gun. And then, uh, Derek gets attacked by the, uh, the zombie vine guy, mm-hmm. uh, and rips his neck off. And then, uh, they have a conversation after that. And then, uh, and then when Wes shoots him, yep. right. So nobody around saw this, cared about this, did anything about this. Uh, or even reported this. Doesn't seem like it. Okay. So they were the only two people in the universe at this point, while everybody else in the embalming room was standing quietly and waiting. Pointing guns at each other, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some problems. There's some problems with this episode, I think. Um, And, you know, there was, there's a fair bit of information here, I feel like, it's just the way this was all conceived didn't didn't work so well. Yeah. And that's that's you know, kind of it. If they had a parking garage, right? If they had a couple of tanks, I could understand. You know, holy shit, these guys have tanks, right? If they had a couple of Bradley fighting vehicles, if they had a couple of tanks, if they had, you know, even a deuce and a half here and there with artillery, if they were, you know, militarized in any way, shape, or form other than, uh, uh, you know, just, some people going out and killing communities with yep. handguns, I assume. And rats. And rats, plague plague rats. Yep. Uh, so they have the plague somewhere, you know, in a lab. I guess so. Uh, uh, and why would they hide the maps inside a fucking can inside somebody's, uh, uh, you know, bedroom? Well, that was, that was Derek's room. And the story goes, him and Wes were together. He went out to find creamer one morning for his coffee. Yes, into, as would I. Of course. Got into trouble and they got separated once for good. And then Derek made it and, and met up with this group. So the creamer can, I guess, is meaningful to him. He keeps his most important prized possessions in it. That's why he kept his maps in there and his all his notes too about the communities they'd attacked and 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 the and or monitored right if you read through those some of those notes it's information like the schedules of people coming and going and stuff so they they were monitoring these groups before they attacked them so they could i guess be efficient in their killing sprees okay so that all makes sense except for storing the maps and notes and things <laughs> inside uh, a a creamer can in somebody's bedroom fine like if these were an organized cult they would have like uh, you know, a war room where they would put shit on the walls, where they would discuss plans, where they would, uh, you know, have communications with, I assume, people that are on the inside. It's not just one guy who's planning all of this and stores, you know, all of these notes and all of this information fits in a goddamn creamer can that he puts on his shelf. And then when he goes out, he leaves it there. I mean, they have none of these things. Instead, they have a, he's painting a mural on the wall with all the locations they've attacked. Like, it's sort of, it's sort of stupid when you really think about it. Yeah. This, this episode's getting dumber and dumber. I don't, uh, okay. So 
I really didn't have a chance to think about a lot of these things until now, but the more I think about it, the worse it gets. And I really feel bad about that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it is getting worse the more we talk about it and think about it here. So maybe we should just finish with this. And, uh, it's an email here from Sean on the internet. Sean says, can somebody please explain to me why the hell Dakota is still in this community, freely moving about? sitting in on important meetings and conversations and now helping hatch plans. She killed two people in cold blood just because she didn't like her sister. That was it. Plain and simple. No more, no less. And yet this community has decided to welcome her in with open arms. As good as this season has been, I cannot move past my frustrations over seeing her on screen every week, somehow contributing to this story. She, uh, she should have been gone weeks ago. Now, Sean, I will say that last week I complained that they sort of seemed like they were forgiving Dakota a little too quickly. Uh, but this week they backpedaled on that a little bit because Morgan wouldn't let her help. He said, we're not there yet. And I did appreciate that a bit. There was at least that. Yeah. Except for the word yet and that she's walking around. I, I agree. I uh, she should have been uh, at least at the very least shot in the back of the head. <laughs> at the very least, you know, <laughs> at the very, you know, the bare minimum. Sure. I mean, you don't want to go so far as to break her kneecaps first and then shoot her in the back of the head. Oh, that, that's just, that's, that's cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah. Cruel and unusual. Well, it, I figured, you know, Dakota's bothering me too, but at least Morgan kind of put her in her place this week, but I fully expect her to just be on her way to becoming a regular member of this community and member of this show. And I think that's going to annoy me a little bit as we move forward. Well, they keep pushing her in the episodes, right? Every episode, she's got a few lines. So mm -hmm. they're keep, they're keeping her, uh, in our minds. Uh, so obviously she's going to play a part in the future. Yep. I think so. Hey, one more question before we wrap sure. this up. They refer, Riley refers to the dead as posters. And Al kind of makes a comment about it. She's like, huh? We'll have to come back to that. And then they never did. So can you explain to me? I understand Walker. I understand Eater. You know, there's others I understand. But how does Poster fit into this? How, where does that come from in terms of a walking dead zombie? I got nothing. No, me either. I don't know. I'm trying to think of alternate words, alternate meanings to the word post. Like, uh... You know, somebody that posts something, mm -hmm. uh, poster being, you know, something, you know, something you hang up on your wall. Uh, maybe it's someone who walks from point A to point B delivering something. I don't like, know. The post. Canada poster. Is the mail. <laughs> uh, you know, you build, you put in fence posts when you're building a fence. I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, they did have the, the zombie tied to a post, sort of, with uh, the vines all over it, but. I don't feel like yep. that would mean you call them all posters. So I don't know. I haven't figured it out. Nope. I got nothing. All right. Well, show, you better answer that question too. We'll, at some point. we'll have to come back to that. We will. We will. All right. I got a call here from Gail before we call it a night. Hi guys. Gail here from Australia. Fear the Walking Dead, season six, episode 11, The Holding. As soon as I saw the new settlement, knew it was going to fall leaving Alicia with one guy to embalm her. Of course she's going to kill him. What, do they think we're stupid? 
And I love Morgan's beard. The little grey distinguished patch makes him look very elegant. Thank you. Love the show. All right. Thanks, Gail. So on one hand, an episode like this, uh, I hope they don't think we're stupid, but the episode was a little bit stupid. But I wanted to finish on the uh, call out for Morgan's beard. Gail obviously loves it. I appreciate a good beard and um, good job on Morgan for having a sweet beard. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> good. We might as well end on a high note, right? Sure. Sweet yeah, beard. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I want to send out a quick thank you to someone who recently became a new patron of The Talking Dead. That is John S., who went to patreon.com slash the talking dead and joined up. Thank you so much, John, for doing that. You can do that as well by hitting that link, patreon.com slash the talking dead and making a small monthly pledge and becoming a patron of the show. We very, very much appreciate that. If that's not your thing, you can also support us by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal and making a one-time contribution. That's a nice, easy way to do it as well. And of course, you can support us for no money at all by leaving ratings and reviews and uh, stuff like that on Apple Podcasts or other podcasting platforms. Those go a long way to amplifying the signal a little bit as well. So thank you, everyone, for doing that, including John S., for going to Patreon and becoming a patron. Okay, well, everyone, that is it for this episode. We'll be back next week to talk about the next one. Uh, of fear episode 12 but i think there's still some things to figure out here so if you have any thoughts or comments about this episode of the walking dead the holding by all means send them in you can do that by visiting the website talkingdeadpodcast.com clicking on send voicemail at the top and recording a message you can also send all your email correspondence about the show to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and check us out on Facebook if you're a Facebook kind of person at facebook.com slash the talking dead. I don't know who uses Facebook anymore, Jason. I think it, it might just be old people like us. I don't know if the kids are, are doing it, but uh, us, you, my friend, I haven't logged into Facebook in like three years. Well, I'm not saying you, I'm saying people like us. <laughs> oh, I see. And uh, our listeners come from all sorts of ages and everything like that. So um, sorry, we're only on the Facebook, everyone, but you know <laughs> what? Check it out if you want uh, or, or, or email. That's a good way to, to get in touch too. All right, uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.